Hello, welcome to the You Can Try podcast. I'm Penny Wilkin from You Can Coaching and on this podcast I'm going to talk to people who share my passion for swimming, cycling, running and triathlon as well as anything in between. This is episode 46 where I have a chat with Michelle Dern about overtraining. We talk about what that is, what impact it has on you and how you know if you've done too much. Hello, so we're here today, I'm here today with Michelle, Michelle Dunn. Um, when, when was the last time you came on the podcast, can you remember? It was with Steve Atherton, okay. who was like the fun runner, had done the okay. challenges in his Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, it's been a month or so since you came on, so welcome back. Thank you. And yeah, tell us, before we get into the podcast, we're going to be talking today about overtraining and how you know when you've done too much. But before we get there, tell us what's been happening in your world, Michelle. So I've got my first event in well over 12 months this weekend. So I'm doing the swim in a relay team at the Cotswold. So it's a middle distance triathlon and I'm the swimmer. So I get the shortest bit. And then I've got the rest of the day to eat cake, drink tea and talk to people and cheer everyone on. And I've signed up for my first marathon. So that's a challenge for you as much as me, Penny, because you've got to get me to that point. How exciting. <laughs> and have you checked out the weather for the weekend? Yeah, it's, it's looking good. It's looking good, right? So yeah. you can have a nice warm swim. Yeah. And then sitting in the sun, watching the everyone else work hard for the rest of the day. Exactly. And I've only just got back in the water and it was super cold a week ago, like frighteningly cold for me. But then this week it seems to have warmed up. So I was having a bit of a tizzy fit about it. Calm down. <laughs> it definitely has still been a bit cold, hasn't it, for me? I'd say that it really has only just warmed up in the last 10 days or so, hasn't it? So, Well, you did um, triathlon uh, a week or two ago when it was still cold. It hadn't warmed up. How was that swim? So I raced in Southport uh, maybe about three weeks ago now. And uh, we had a little swim in the river, didn't we? As a little bit of preparation <laughs> beforehand. I put my wet to put my wetsuit on, see if it's still fit and everything. And I remember the river being really cold, like ice cream headache cold. So I was in a bit of a tears about Southport. And you weren't allowed to warm up or get in the water or anything like that. You just had to, you know, queue up, put your wet suit on, queue up. And then when it was your turn, you had to go. But actually, once I got in, it was all right. You know, the temperature of the water was all right. My swim is another story. But, um, you know, the temperature was okay once we got going. Uh, and and it was a lovely sunny day as well so so yeah it was good and how was the event overall good yeah, to be back yeah yeah no good good to be back yeah it was super flat course um yeah no it was funny like transition felt like it was like five miles long because they had to spread all the bikes out um you know so you got bigger more space you know, the, with the social distancing and everything. But actually, it was kind of quite nice not to be on top of the person next to you. And a rolling start in the swim is actually quite nice because it's like a little bit less stress, a little bit more space to swim. And, um, yeah, I mean, the run is always hard. <laughs> run never gets any easier for me. And the whole world runs past me on the run. Um, but, no, it was great. Yeah, it was good fun. We had a lovely day. So, yeah, it was great to be out racing. A few things to learn for the next race. So, all good. When is your next race? So, I'm racing on Sunday as well. Oh. So, I'm doing an Olympic distance down in Eastbourne. Um, so completely different to Southport so Southport was a straight road flat pancake flat with a turn at each end so it really was perfect for me and my time trial bike and everything else Eastbourne yes yeah, so it was in the sea 
and it's hilly you know the bike course is like up and down it goes over beachy head four times so um yeah i'm a little bit uh, uh i don't know like fretting a little bit about the hills but but it'll be fine and the weather's going to be lovely as well isn't it so beautiful sunshine and it'll be great to swim in the sea so clearly you've trained well for that event you're all prepared you're ready to go probably having a little bit of rest now yeah a little bit of rest it. yeah between now and sunday yeah because that's important mm. so obviously there's a balance isn't there you know we 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 want to do these endurance events, they take our toll on our body, but then there's a risk that we get a bit focused on, like the distance or how far we have to go. And then we overtrain because we think, oh, must must reach the distance, much put this effort in, so I'm okay on the day. But what really is overtraining? So sometimes, for instance, like this week, I've had to bunch a lot of my training. So there was one day where I did a bike and a run and a swim all in one day, which probably isn't very sensible, but it was the only way I could fit it in. Um, is that overtraining? Did I overtrain that day? Or if I do an extra run with a friend, I'm supposed to do three runs, I do four runs. Have I overtrained? Or is it something more than that? Yeah, so what I say is something more than that. So if you make decisions like that every now and again and you cram all your training or you're busy at the weekend, so yeah, you just train every day and you do all your four, all your hard sessions back to back, things like that. You know, which is quite common. You're not the only person that does that. You know, lots of my clients do that. You know, you've got busy lives, but your training is still important. So if you do that every now and again, you know, no big deal. All you need to know is that probably you're going to be more tired than usual the next day. Or if you do all three sessions in one day, your next session the next day isn't going to be as good, right? And you probably don't want to try and do another hard session the next day. So sometimes it's okay to do things like that. And you just need to know, you know, how you're going to feel after it. The only thing is, if you do that consistently, then perhaps, you know, every week, week in, week out, then perhaps you're more at risk of overtraining. So generally speaking, overtraining is more about the long term fatigue. So if for many weeks and many months you do too much training more training than your body can cope with without recovery, then that's when you're going to um, start feeling not so good. You're going to start seeing um decrease in performance. You're not going to be able to get through sessions. You're going to be more tired, maybe more prone to injury, um, more prone to colds and picking up illnesses and things like that. Yeah, so if you're noticing repeated injuries or um yeah repeated catching colds or other bugs and they're possibly signs of overtraining so it's usually over many months that you get and weeks that you get overtrained why do you think people overtrain like what do you think the more you know like i get my um my training session and i'm quite motivated to under train quite a lot and go i know i'll I'll just do a bit less than that so what is it that's in people's head that makes them think no i've got to do you know my coach has written me this program but that's not enough i'm going to do more so i would say if you're working with a coach it's not so common for people to do more than i've planned although you do get people that you know do that and sometimes have to have conversations about trying to stick to the program but people tend to overtrain just because they're really motivated you know they've got a big goal to train for particularly if it's long distance or they've got some performance goals that you know they want to be faster and perhaps you're intimidated i mean for me i would always just have been intimidated by the distance right Mm. so you think you've got to do more and more you know to get there and yeah, you're just very focused on the program, ticking the boxes, you know, very motivated. 
And also it's just the idea that you want to work hard, more hard. You know, if you work hard, you get more results. Um, you know, so there's something about that in training, isn't there? The the idea of working hard. You know, no pain, no gain, right? Yeah. That, that kind of approach to it. And then it's um, not being able to take rest. So feeling guilty about having a day off or, or taking rest days is another um, thing a reason that leads people to overtrain and also oh, the other thing I was going to say was you know just um it's easy to disconnect yourself from your body and it, particularly in the western world and with training pro- programs and you know we're all motivated and driven to reach a goal you just think about the program and the training that you've got to do and you treat your body as a machine rather than going well actually I feel terrible today you know or I'm tired today or I can't get through that session so you stop listening to your body and just push through but of course you know the difficulty is about listening to your body right because if I listen to my body I probably wouldn't get off the sofa you know if I listen I need need a lot of sleep and if I got up every day and went oh I feel tired today I need 10 hours of sleep you know I'd never get up and I'd never do any training so it's kind of you know getting that balance isn't it and I mean the other thing I would say is that for people ordinary people like us who aren't professional athletes right we've got other lives Mm. haven't we and you know families children elderly parents jobs commuting all sorts of other things and it's easy to underestimate the level of stress that all of that contributes to Mm. your life and then you add training on top of it. So maybe you're exhausted because of some other stress in your life and you don't take that into consideration and then you just keep pushing through with your training. Or, or the training is the thing that makes you feel better from the stress, but you don't quite have the energy you know, to, to cope with it. Do you think as well there's sometimes an element of not trusting the programme? Yeah. So, for instance, I've got, like I said, I've just signed up for my first marathon and one of the things people always say, isn't it, you don't train the distance. You you don't train to 26 miles. But if you've never done it before, you're in, in your head, you're going, well, if I don't run 26 miles, how do I know I can run 26 miles? So do you think some people are motivated by that as well? Again, even though they've been told and they know that they don't have to do the full thing I remember before my first ever sprint triathlon I went out and did a sprint triathlon because I I needed to know in my head and that was unnecessary you know but all right for a sprint distance isn't it because it's only short Uh, yeah and much more common for people doing a sprint distance to you know to do that but yeah no no for sure trusting the the research trusting the program so all of the research really says that you don't need to run the full distance for a marathon you know in training to be able to complete a marathon and you know the general research shows that actually it's not good for you to do that because of the impact and the risk of injury you know and everything else so it is trusting in the research but also trusting in yourself isn't it and having faith and yeah that's that's a really difficult one but yeah no for sure that's really common I get a lot of clients who are just dead nervous about the distance when they're not doing enough and 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 having that level of trust um easier when you've got a coach right because hopefully you're paying a professional coach who's got some experience and qualifications and you know the coach is writing the program for you in your specific circumstances and situation so it should be easier to trust that program from your coach but when you download a program off off you know online or off a book or something it's not written for you so that can be difficult 
And obviously you are a coach and you have a coach, but you've been um, participating in triathlons for many years, done different distances, often without a coach in the past. Have you made mistakes? Have you ever overtrained? Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. So back in the day when I started out, I, I just did running, um, you know, before I did triathlon. And, you know, and I used to work out in the gym and go to classes and um, I don't know if we had spin classes then, but, you know, do aerobics and circuit training and step classes, remember step classes and, you know, use the equipment in the gym. And stuff. So I used to do different things, but I wanted to run a marathon. I wanted to be good at running. And in those days, every book I read said, if you're going to be a runner, just do more running, you know, and I'd download a program for a four hour marathon or something, get it out of a runner's world book. And it would tell me to like run five days a week. Um, 56 miles a week 50 or 60 miles a week which um is quite a lot actually if you think about how much running I do now but I'd consistent and, and like I'm not really built for running and I would have ran my running form would have been even worse in those days you know um and I'd get to the weekend and I'd very rarely be able to get through my long runs you know just because I'd, I'd be exhausted and I look at that now and I think crikey 50 miles a week that you know gosh that was a lot so so there were some of my early experiences and then yeah just over the years I mean perhaps I was working with my coach for the Ironman I did a couple of years ago I got to a point I asked them a question I went you know because um Simon's a sports psychologist as well so I said oh I just whenever I get up in the morning I'm just in a bad mood how do I change that and they said oh well if you're in a bad mood every morning then you probably overtrained you need a rest and I went oh yeah crikey you know and and they were I was like yeah but what about my race and they were like well if you're overtrained you're overtrained you need a rest and I just did a bit less for 10 days or so and then got up in the morning and felt better and it seems so simple doesn't it but sometimes you can't see it and obviously you didn't see it when you were doing that marathon and running 56 miles a week whereas now because you're more experienced you know got more even then you had to be told but you've now got more idea a few years on or several years on so what are you've just mentioned one of them the fact you just woke up grumpy every morning but how would someone know they were overtrained because we I think we get into our head that we well we are going to feel tired we are going to have tired legs all the time we are going to have tired muscles what's the difference between well, I've got a bit of doms and I'm overtrained yeah well I mean that is a really good question and and that's the difficulty for people like us you know I mean ordinary people having a go at marathon and triathlon and Ironman and marathon swimming or whatever is how do you know the difference between you know what is overtraining and what's just normal tiredness and like I say if I listen to myself the whole my body the whole time I probably never go out the door or the number of times I've got up and I've gone even now I feel too tired I can't get through this session and you go and get through it and it's fine and you do exactly what the program said so 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 it is it is a challenge so things I would say are, and from my personal experience, so the first one was we talked about just being grumpy the whole time. So changes in mood and motivation. So a simple one for me is I love swimming and I'm dead motivated by the programme, but there have been a number of times in years gone by where I drive to the pool and sit in the car and can't get out of the car and I'm trying to psych myself up to get in the pool. And there have been occasions when I've just driven home again, right? So that, so the second sign, as well as being grumpy and moody, the second sign for me is like a dip in motivation. 
And I don't just mean it's cold and wet today. I don't feel like it. I mean, like, several days on the trot where you just don't face it. Mm. You, you just can't face it. You just can't motivate yourself. You know, you, you just don't fancy it. So that would be another sign. A second one... No, I don't know what number we're <laughs> on here. But, mate, another, another sign would be just... Uh, a drop in performance so you know maybe you've done 10 weeks of training and you're not any faster than you were 10 weeks ago and you know maybe you're just slower and you can't get any power out or you can't get any speed out on the run and we so we just talked about this before we started recording so it isn't that you go out and maybe you've got 10 repeats to do in an interval session and, you know, rep number 8, 9 and 10 aren't as fast as 1, 2 and 3, you know, that would be a normal expectation mm. in a session. It's more like, you know, rep number 1 isn't as fast or you can't get through rep number 1 or you just can't keep up with the people that you usually keep up with on the bike even though you've done, you know, lo- lots of training. Or you maybe even taper for a race and go and do a race and expect to do well and you're no way near a time that you should be at. It's it's those types of things. Um, So drop in performance, yeah, not being able to get through sessions repeatedly, so you go out and try an interval session and the first rep feels hard. (laughs) That's, um, you know, a little sign for me. And then other things are just ongoing injuries and just repeated injuries all of the time that don't clear up and, you know, maybe just getting colds and illnesses and stomach bugs and just picking up little bugs, you know, the whole time, you know, would be other signs. So I don't know if I'm going in any particular order here, but I think other things are, uh, so I talked about uh, changes in mood, but also changes in sleep would be another one. You know, if you do loads of hard training, then I find I either often can't sleep or I need too much sleep. So they would be things to look out for. So if I round all that up, we've got bad mood, not sleeping so great, tired muscles, underperformance, uh, getting sick all the time potentially. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like a very good package. It actually sounds like it can be quite a serious thing. Yeah. So if somebody has pushed themselves to that point, can you come back from it? Is it just a case of going, oh, well, I'll just sit on the settee and watch the telly for a couple of days and then all will be well? Or could it actually have some long-term effects on your performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it depends how overtrained you are and how long that overtraining has been going on. So typically for people I work with, um, you know, it might just be, you know, a bit of downtime in the winter, you know, a couple of weeks of easy training might help or a couple of months of not training for an Ironman anymore, you know, might help. Um, you know, so you can, of course, recover from it and how quickly you recover from it depends on how overtrained you were, I suppose. But it is quite, you know, I've read stuff um from other coaches so one of the things that opened my eyes was so I'm sure it was Joe Friel who talked and wrote about it you know so Joe Friel is quite a famous triathlon coach one of the founders of Training Peaks and he also wrote the um triathletes training bible and the cyclists cyclist training bible but I read something he was talking about where he'd supported some athletes to recover from overtraining and they recovered from it and you know got some good performances back but they were never quite the same they were never quite as good as they once were so you know if it goes on for a long time 
you know, we don't really know what effect it has on the body, the physiologists and the science, we don't really know. And we don't really know what the impact could be and how bad it could be or how, you know, you recover from it. And there are lots of stories of professional athletes saying that they overreached and overtrained and that it caused many long-term serious health, you know, issues. And, you know, you can imagine you know, an age group athlete, someone like us overtraining and, and it really affecting their mental health, right? Um, so, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, no, and like I said, a lot of people who do these endurance events, like I said earlier on, they're very goal-focused and they're very committed and they want to train. And, you know, I'm on a few Facebook groups where I quite often see people who will put posts who literally train every single day and are actually almost unable to have a rest day because they see it as a failure they see it as lazy or they think they're going to lose something in that day whereas I think the research shows you actually gain on your rest days and there's a very fine line between commitment and obsession yeah yeah and how do you I mean what is the importance of a rest day what does happen on a rest day why do we need them yeah, so you when you do your training, the you know, you do some training, you add a bit of load, you know, to create a stimulus, you add a bit more load to create more stimulus, etc. etc. But the actual adaptation occurs in the recovery period. So if you don't allow your body some recovery, it won't adapt. And you know, the fitness um improvements happen when you're in that recovery phase so that's why um you know it's important so i guess it's useful to understand the you know how you plan and periodize and phase your training so if you just do hard training days every single day week in week out you never allow the time for recovery and adaptation and if you just train the same every single day you're never going to allow that so you do need recovery and rest periods. Depending on what type of athlete you are, what your experience is, how much training you do, your rest and recovery days will be different. So I will quite often train seven days a week, quite quite commonly, but my rest day might be yoga or a technical swim session or whatever. And I've built up to training seven days a week. And it isn't that I train seven days a week, week in, week out, month in, month out. You know, if you've got a race, then you have some rest days. Like tomorrow's a rest day, right? Because I'm racing at the weekend. Saturday, I've got like a 15-minute swim, right? So, I mean, it's nothing compared to what I would normally yeah. do. So, you know, it, it, it just varies. And so, you, but and you could also imagine a professional runner, an elite runner would run most days of the week. But, you know, they might do a hard session and their recovery day might just be... A 40 minute easy run but I mean they're a professional runner so that's what they can cope with so your rest and recovery days very much depends on who you are and what you do but you do need to schedule them in so see I'm the athlete at the other end of the spectrum I have no problem taking rest days no I'd, I'd take more rest days if I could but then that brings you to sort of the other there is there is a flip side of this coin isn't it which is um how do you know when you said earlier, you know, you go and you you go out, you've maybe got 10 intervals to do. Um, if you're in my sort of sphere, if you're my type of athlete, it's very easy then to use overtraining as an excuse. I don't want to do this session particularly. It looks quite hard. I don't, I don't like the look of it. I'll tell you what, I'll go out. I'll maybe do a couple and then I'll go home and just go, oh, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. How do you sort of know in your mind what is 
I genuinely can't do this. I genuinely, no matter what I do, this is not going to be good for me and can't be bothered. <laughs> don't like the look of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult, isn't it, to know. And like, I, I still don't know as an athlete. I still find it hard. Um, and, you know, you read stuff about overtraining and things like that and you can take it all too literally, can't you? And like you say, then go, oh, I won't do the training today because, you know, um, I could be bordering on overtraining. And you use it to stop you from and, and to um, prevent you from pushing harder. So, I mean, I guess the first thing is you need to be doing quite a lot of training to be overtrained. So training most days, you know, for several weeks and months, um, you know, at a time. And so if you're only training three or four times a week and having rest days, then unlikely to be, you know, overtrained. But on the flip side, someone training for an Ironman, you know, it's probably training every day and doing a five hour ride and things like that could, could be quite common amongst, you know, longer distance um athletes so anyway so how do I know whether I should do the session or not and whether I'm overtrained or not and so I would normally my sort of strategy is if I feel crap if I feel tired if I don't feel like it or I'm unmotivated or I don't know whether I'm unmotivated or overtired then generally a strategy I'll try is I'll maybe give myself permission to try a quarter of the session so if I had an hour's run to do I'll go well I'm just going to start with 15 minutes and if after 15 minutes, my legs still don't feel right, my head's still not in it or whatever, or I can't get the speed up, then I'll come home. Because often you go out and you feel better after 15 minutes and then you can get through it. So that's the sort of strategy, you know, I try. If my legs feel really bad and I've got intervals to do, then again, yeah, I'll just go, well, look, I'll just go out and try the first interval. And if it still feel bad, then I'll come home. Because uh, often I feel tired and I go out and I smash it all out and it's fine, you know. So it's, you just you just never know. So that that's my strategy. Do other things come into effect when it comes to overtraining? So, for example, um, some people are juggling a family, so they've got to fit in training with a full time job and a family. For me, when I'm working, I work weird shifts. There'll be days when I've been up at two o'clock in the morning. There'll be days when I've worked through the night. There'll be days when I'm on different time zones, different climates than I'm used to. Does all this then sort of add like again if you were in, if you had nothing else to do other than train so you could go out do your session come home and chill out for the rest of the day would your limit be different than somebody who goes out trains comes home has to get the kids dinner ready has to get them ready for bed has to then maybe do some chores clean the house get up for work the next month and so on and so on is their training load basically going to be yeah yeah no different yeah so for sure so I think the thing the biggest mistake people make is underestimating the impact of their lifestyle or life stress on their ability to train so it's interesting you bring that up so you were saying you know probably you had no chance of overtraining because you'd like to have rest days (laughs) but actually I suspect your risk of overtraining is when you're flying and traveling and time zone changes and climate changes that would be you know, your biggest risk, isn't it? So then you have all of that and then you do a load of training and it would probably lower your immune system. Mm. Um, so they would be your potential um, risks. But yeah, no, it, it, it's just the impact of like a family member gets ill and the emotional stress that causes and the impact that has on your training. You know, so I'll say, 
I say, you know what? After my mum died, I didn't sleep properly for six months. Mm. I didn't realise until the six months was up and I was sleeping properly again. And if you'd asked me, A, I didn't really realise I wasn't sleeping properly, but I also would never have said it It was grief to do with my mum dying. In the moment, I didn't understand that. Um, and so if you don't sleep properly, of course, and there's some emotional stress there, isn't there? Of course that's going to affect your ability to recover and your ability to train any motivation and your energy. Um, yeah, so all of those things definitely, definitely contribute. So just going off a tangent, just to compare the two, have you ever done an event and felt under-trained and then kicked yourself for not doing more? Um, so I suppose me and my mental makeup, I generally get scared of the distance. So I'm usually intimidated by it. So I'm generally going to do more than I, or enough to know that I can get through it. If I've gone into an event when I hadn't done enough training or I wasn't going to be as prepared as I needed to be, then again, I managed my expectations around that. So I did do a 100-mile time trial one year um, when, like, a couple of weeks after I'd had, like... It had been away in France, you know, for a few days with some other friends, if it, with Zelda, who was doing the Ironman, and, oh, I'd been throwing up. Um, for a few days and I'd had some weeks off and I hadn't trained and I can't remember how far I'd ridden but there was no way I was gonna I was gonna struggle to get around 100 miles and yeah it was very painful I remember having a cramp and struggling to get my shoes off afterwards and and things like that but I'd kind of gone into that with a I'll just it'll be what it'll be I know I can't do it so I'll just have a go right um and, and managing all of the expectations and the suffering that went with it. And actually, that was a really good, you know, experience uh, to go through that. I think in years gone by, at the start of my running career, I suppose, I was very intimidated by the marathon. And actually, there was lots of times when I was entered for a marathon and then didn't do it for because I hadn't done the training or I pulled a muscle or sprained an ankle or didn't think I could do it. So rather than run walking or getting around it in five hours or whatever, I just didn't have the courage to start. And the reason I so the reason I asked about undertraining is, you know, if you are if somebody is going through a particularly busy or a particularly stressful time in their life and they've got this event, they've got their goal, well my goodness, life's just thrown them a load of curveballs. There isn't really a good answer to this because obviously the answer is well, it's best to be perfectly trained. But is it almost better to go in under-trained and, you know, so adjust your training, go, okay, look, life, I wasn't expecting this. All this stuff has happened in my life. I can't do the volume I wanted. So I would adjust my expectations, reduce my training going anywhere rather than going, I'm going to cram in all this training into my life because I've got to do this Ironman or I've got to do this marathon. And then it seems to me your risks are more yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. So I'd always say you just readjust your training for the time that you've got and you just have to adjust your expectations, right? So, you know, if you can only train three times a week or whatever, then you're not going to get a Kona place, are you? <laughs> or, you know, you're not going to win the race probably unless yeah. you're like some super talented person. So, yeah, it's just about, um, you know, you can only do what you can do and, you know, plan sensible training and adjust your goals to go with it. Some, I think it's quite um, a sort of common 
idea is better to go into an Iron, something like an Ironman or a marathon, a long distance event, slightly undertrained than overtrained. Because if you're overtrained, you're just going to be exhausted and all those issues. Whereas if you're undertrained, you probably, you know, perform better on race day, maybe, and and you'll ideally get to the finish. One little quick question, because uh, it just occurred to me when you were saying that, and it's something someone said to me recently. Uh, I was chatting to someone and saying, and she's doing, um, on the relay team that I'm doing on Saturday, actually, she's doing the bike, and she was saying, I've only trained 40 miles, and I have to do 56. And I was saying to her, oh, yeah, but you never have, you know, you'll find the extra 16 miles, you never have to train to distance. She said, and I just think this is sort of relevant to triathletes, that that's true of running, but not true of cycling. Cycling, you should know you can go more than the distance. Any truth in that? So, no, I wouldn't say there was any truth in that. I think the difference is with running, it's high impact, right? So, and so the risk of injury from running is a lot higher than it is from cycling. And so you can do a lot more volume and a lot more distance with cycling than you can with running. So if you've got a 56 mile bike ride to do, you know, you could easily be doing, you know, more than that. And if you look at how much professional cyclists ride, they do like 40 hours a week of cycling, whereas professional runners can't run, run that much. But it's the type of cycling that you do. So I don't train to distance. I train to time, right? So if I go out on a three-hour ride and do a load of intervals, I'm very rarely at 56 miles. In fact, um, I did like five hours on the bike the other week. We went around the outlaw course to just, you know, do a recce and see what it was like. Um, and at that time, the longest I'd ridden was three hours since I did Ironman Barcelona. So that's in 2019, right? The longest time I'd spent on a bike since then was three hours. And the furthest I'd ridden in that time, actually, was what I did at the Cotswolds, which is 55 miles. And that was last September. And there I am, I'm going to ride 80 miles, right? Um, but because I do a load of intensity and a load of hill work and a load of strength work you can ride the distance so it's how you train and the intensity as well as the volume and distance and so it's like the sum of the volume yeah is bigger than the what what am I saying some of the parts some of, I don't know what I'm trying to say you know what I mean <laughs> Parts is bigger than the hall or something like that. that, that something I'm not sure like that. either. Yeah, anyway. So you've got your big event coming, well, not coming up, but your big event this year is going to be a full Iron Man again. Yep. Your training's under control. We're not doing too much. No, no, I wouldn't. I'm doing what my coach tells me. <laughs> and you've got your build up. You've done your shorter triathlon. You've got a slightly longer one this weekend. You could do in a half. Along I'm the doing the Cotswold one in a few weeks, yeah. So they've got the. Cotswold, what's it you're doing? The 113, is that yeah, this? Yeah, I think this, the Cotswold Classic is one of them. Right? Yeah, I don't know, I'm confused. <laughs> the but thing. there's the one this weekend on the 6th of June and then the other one in July, so I'm doing the one in July. But you're listening to your body and even if your coach tells you to do something, if it, if it doesn't feel right... I'm not doing it. Excellent, you'll have a rest day when you need one. Yeah, do you know, one of the things for me is even if the programme says do this training session, if I've got like a really complicated day at work... Do you know my working hours are a bit insane right now um, just because of the, the availability of the pool that I use. So I actually teach on a Tuesday night until 10 o'clock. So I don't get home till half past 10 and then I need a bit of a wind down. So I don't go to bed till half past 11, which is like the middle of the night for me. I, I go to bed at nine o'clock, right, if I can. And then, you know, the next day you've got work and other training to do. 
And so ideally you'd get up the next day and go to the pool and get your swim done in the morning. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do that. If I carried on doing that, that would quite quickly put me in a deep hole. Because if I don't get enough sleep, um, then that, yeah, causes issues for me. I can't compromise on sleep. So that that's one thing that's happening for me at the moment. Excellent. So know your body, listen to your body, adapt to where you need to, and you have a brilliant race day. Exactly. So, been good chatting to you. Um, I've enjoyed, you know, talking about it. And, it, and like, I learned something when we talk about it. Oh, you I'm know, board, yeah, 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 good. So, thanks very much for coming on, and good luck with your race on Sunday. Thank you, and you. That's it, folks. Thanks very much for joining us. We hope you found some of that useful, and we'll look forward to you joining us on next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs>